morning. My name is Paul Hom. I am the Church Start resident here at Urban Village Church. I'm also one of the pastors. It is my joy and my pleasure to be with you all here this morning. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, we have some special guests this morning. We have a youth group from uh, Good, Good Shepherd United Methodist Church. And so I just want to welcome you all here. Uh, I was a youth pastor for eight years. And so uh, seeing youth, um, being able to speak to you, it's an incredible joy and pleasure. And you are our honored guest. So thank you so much for being with us here today. Uh, all right. All right, round of applause. So we are in a sermon series called FaceTime, Overcoming Loneliness Together. And so for the last three weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be lonely and what it means to be in relationship with the people in our lives. And I just want to say this. Loneliness is a perception. Loneliness has nothing to do with the number of people around you. Because you could be in a room full of people and feel absolutely alone, or you could be home by yourself in your room and not feel alone. Because loneliness is when you feel isolated. It's when you feel like there is a lack of quality connections and relationships in your life. And so if you feel lonely, then you are lonely. And nobody can tell you, oh, you're not lonely. I love you. And look at all these friends that you have around you. Um, your feelings aren't invalidated because your feelings are your own. And so I just want to say this morning that if you feel lonely uh, today or you feel lonely in general, that it's okay, that's how you feel, that's how you are. And the good news is that you are not alone in your loneliness. And hopefully here this morning, as we, um, as we listen to the word, as we investigate this ancient passage, that we might be able to face this lone thing called loneliness together. We're in our third part of our sermon series. So if you missed the first two, uh, you can listen to them online or on our podcast, and you can check that out. But would you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we are gathered here today. Uh, we believe that we are here not by coincidence, not by chance, but that you have called us, you have purposed us to be here together. And we ask at this time that we might open our hearts, we would open our minds, we would open our souls to the working of your spirit. Help us to see how this ancient passage is absolutely relevant and applicable to our lives here and now today. We give you thanks for the great things that you are doing in our lives and the things that you will continue to do. And we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So today, we're going to talk about friendship and conflict. And as I began writing my sermon uh, this week, like there's a process. I sit down in front of the computer. I don't write. I actually type. And I thought about uh, why, why, do we, why do we have conflict with people, with our friends, our family members, our spouses, our partners, with our coworkers, uh, with the people that we go to church with. And as I began to make a list of why we have conflict with people, I thought, well, this is my list. And I'm actually more curious to know what your list is. And so I'm going to ask all of you here, uh, what are some sources of conflict in relationships in your life? Just shout them out. Miscommunication. All right, that was at the top of my list. What else is there? What, what's a source of conflict? 
Time and availability, that's huge. Finance. Finance. I got that one at first service, got that one at second service. What else is a source of conflict? Fundamental personality differences. That's a huge one, actually. What else is there? Conflicting priorities. All right, all right. Uh, if you're uh, sitting here with your partner, don't look at them. Just look straight at me, and you can give me an answer. What are some sources of conflict in your relationships? Ooh, who said insecurities? No, I'm Oh, awesome. What else is there? What else is a source of conflict in your relationships? Youth groupers, any, anything in your life? Growing up and life change. Oh, yeah, yeah. What else? I hear you guys having a private conversation. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, yeah. When people, uh, especially when people don't get your sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Nobody ever sen seems to get my sense of humor. Anything, I saw a hand raise over here. Anything else? What else is a source of conflict in your relationships? There are a ton of reasons why we have conflict in our relationships. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, the, thing, the very thing that we argue about, the things that we fight about, um, that's, that's on the superficial level. Oftentimes, there's something much deeper going on. There is a deeper issue that is being uh, addressed by this conflict. Now, this is, here's the thing. In a good and healthy friendship relationship, a partnership, um, coworkers, uh, it doesn't mean that there is the absence of conflict. There's always going to be conflict. And being able to resolve and address conflict in a healthy way is actually really, really important. Because when we experience conflict, it's our, it's our relationship, it's our brain, it's our way of pinging and saying, hey, something is wrong. And rather than just welling up with resentment and just blowing up one day, something needs to be addressed. So having conflict is not necessarily a bad thing. But it does mean that something deeper is going on. Now, in our scripture reading today, it comes from Acts chapter 15, maybe 16, 15. Um, it tells a story of a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul, and his partner in ministry, Barnabas. They have this dispute because Paul says, all right, we've traveled across Asia Minor, we've traveled across Europe and, and Judea, and I think it's time for us to backtrack and follow up with all the synagogues and all the communities where we have preached the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's go back and see how they're doing. Barnabas says, yes, that's a great idea. Let's follow up. Barnabas says, let's bring our partner, John Mark, with us. I think he would make a great addition to our dynamic duo. Paul says, no, I don't want John Mark coming with us because remember back in Pamphylia, he abandoned us. So I don't, want, I don't want to take him. Barnabas says, I want to take him. And so the scripture says the argument, it got so heated that Paul and Barnabas said, you know what, you go your way, I'm going to go my way. So Paul, he partners up with Silas, he goes one way, Barnabas partners up with John Mark, and they go another way, they split up. And I don't think the Bible ever talks about them coming back together. Now, on the level, on the superficial level, when I read the scripture reading, I thought, Man, this is a classic case 
of the third wheel. It's like you have two friends, or maybe it's a partnership or something like that, and one person says, oh, I don't like John Mark, and the other person says, well, I like John Mark. And they say, well, if you like John Mark and I don't like John Mark, then I don't know that I like you. And so it causes a schism, and they go their separate ways. That's the conflict, the John Mark issue. But there's something going on much deeper. Two chapters earlier, in Acts chapter 13, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, the three of them, they're on an evangelism trip. They're journeying through Asia Minor, and they land on the island called Paphos. And when they're on Paphos, Paul he encounters this Jewish sorcerer named Bar-Jesus. He's a powerful sorcerer, which means uh, he uses magic and sorcery and all kinds of weird tricks and divinations. And in classic Old Testament prophet showdown style, Paul and Bar-Jesus, they go head to head. They exchange heated words. They say mean things back and forth to each other. They argue scripture. And then finally, in a show of power, um, it's like sorcery versus the Holy Spirit. Paul curses Bar-Jesus and causes him to go blind. This is a scripture reading that uh, it was actually one of my very first sermons here at Urban Village Church. If you click back far enough, you can listen to this sermon, right? Just a little plug for myself, right? So Paul curses Bar-Jesus and blinds this guy, and after he blinds this guy, he says, the hand of God is upon you, and you will be blind for a time, and hopefully you'll get to know the good news of Jesus Christ. That last line was just my paraphrase, right? Now, Scripture says, right after Paul blinds Bar-Jesus, John Mark, he leaves Paul and Barnabas, and he goes his own way. Now, why on earth would John Mark leave Paul and Barnabas right after that holy showdown? And this is just my opinion. But I think for John Mark, he may not actually agree with Paul's brand of evangelism. This notion that if you don't agree with me, then uh, I'm going to curse you in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> This sort of turn and burn style of evangelism, I am right, you are wrong, you're either with me or you're against me. Now, I think John Mark, he, uh, scripture says that he was younger than Paul and Barnabas. It might have been a totally traumatic experience. Here you are, like you're on college spring break and you want to go evangelize the good news of Jesus Christ and then you see your mentor like physically like maim somebody so that they go blind. I don't know. That might be kind of shocking. And so I wonder, is that the reason why John Mark decided to leave Paul and Barnabas? And I think it's a legitimate reason, right? Because between Paul and John Mark, there is a fundamental difference on how they should proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to say one way is right and one way is wrong. Paul is passionate, he is authoritative, and he is a brilliant, brilliant theologian. And John Mark might have uh, just a bigger heart for being good and gracious and loving. It's not about who's right or who's wrong. They're just different. And so in our scripture reading today, the conflict is about whether they should bring John Mark along with them. But there's something much deeper going on. Now, here's the thing. 
uh, especially, we have this tendency in Christi modern Christianity, especially modern American Christianity, to look at the Bible as a book of answers. We open up the Bible and we say, well, what does the Bible say about this? And we want to read the Bible very prescriptively, but in my opinion, I don't think the Bible is a book of prescriptions. I think more often than not, the Bible is descriptive of what happened. The stories of Paul and Barnabas, of Jesus, of David, of Moses, they're the stories of people like you and me who are messed up, just trying to live godly lives, and who are totally, totally not perfect. And it's just a description of their experience of God. To read that prescriptively would be absolutely dangerous. Because when I look at the argument between Paul and Barnabas, if I were to read that prescriptively, it would say, well, when you disagree with somebody, then just go your separate ways. I don't think that's a good prescription. I think it's a description of what Paul and Barnabas chose to do. And to be honest, I think Paul totally got it wrong. And feel free to disagree with me. You can push back. Totally, I would love to have that conversation with you. Because I think, I think here's, the, here's the problem that we have, not only with Paul and Barnabas, but even within our lives and in our conflicts and our disputes. Sometimes we lose the ability to differentiate between the issue that we are in conflict about and the person that we are dealing with, the person that we're in relationship with. It's so easy to uh, look at somebody in a one-dimensional light and say, you're stupid, you're ignorant, you don't know what you're talking about, you are so evil, you are so bad, and it's easy for us to just caricaturize somebody in that one dimension. When in reality, human beings, you and I, we are incredibly complex. We are more than just one issue, right? And so I want to sort of demonstrate this. Uh, I didn't do this at first service because I had a Holy Spirit inspiration moment at the second for the second service here. Uh, I brought this rope here not to hang anybody, but uh, I, so uh, pardon me if um, I freak you out a little bit, but I'm going to move around here. So Ty, you're just going to hold this rope here, okay? So Ty is in a uh, relationship with Laura. You guys are friends, okay? And sometimes there's push and pull going on here, but Laura is also in relationship with Aaron here. And sometimes there's some push and pull going on there. And Wioletta, you, uh, are, you, are you in relationship too? Okay, you're in relationship too. And I'm just going to come this way too uh, with Lindsay here. And uh, hold on. I'm just going to get under here. So, and Lindsay, uh, I'm sorry, your name is? Kara. All right. Nice to meet you. And uh, we need one more person here. How about John? All right. Now, here's the thing. Just hold on. Don't give each other rope burn or anything like that. Now, here, here's what's going to go on. So Aaron and Laura, they have conflict. They're pushing and pulling, right? Now, they're fighting. And it seems like it's just about Laura and Aaron. There, there's some conflict. But guess what happens? When Laura pulls too hard, Aaron has to give. But then all of a sudden, Wioletta is 
you are being pulled as well. And suddenly, because of your relationship with Aaron, because of this push and pull, now suddenly you and Lindsay have some tension going on there. Now poor Lindsay, she's thinking, what did I do? Why is she like giving me a hard time? And it's not necessarily just because there's tension between these two. It's because when you live in relationship with people, we are constantly in dynamic tension with all different kinds of relationships. Right? Oh, I exactly. Now, now here's the thing. You jumped ahead on my apps and sermon notes. Aaron can choose to say, you know what? Screw you guys. I, I don't need this, and she could just let go. She could totally remove herself from the conflict. I don't need any more drama in my life. I don't need any of you. Forget you and say, I want the absence of conflict. And that's cool, too, except what has happened now. Aaron is no longer in relationship with Violetta or uh, in relationship with Laura. And I think oftentimes the loneliness that we experience in our lives is because we only want to be around people or be in relationship with people that agree with us, that think like us, that look like us, that act like us. And the moment, the moment they express an opinion or the moment that there's a conflict which causes us to look at them as an issue and not as a human being living in dynamic tension with other people, we might sever our ties with those relationships. Loneliness sometimes is the absence not only of quality, good, loving, fun relationships. Sometimes loneliness is the absence of the dynamic tension that we experience with our friends, our family members, our coworkers, our fellow church people. It's not just about having the best, coolest friends you know, all, all the time. It's living in that dynamic tension. We can let go, but what are we doing? We're isolating ourselves. We're looking at, we're caricaturizing people one-dimensionally, and we're saying, you know what, I don't, have, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I think I've shared this story before, and I think because I'm just getting older, I'm just repeating myself. So part of me, if I shared... Um, one of my really good friends, his name is Mike, and <laughs> Mike is, I think he's like 65 now, so he's about 30, year, 30 years older than I am. And Mike and I, we used to get lunch like every two, three weeks, and every time we would sit down together, Mike would say, hey, Paul, did you hear what Rush had to say earlier today? Rush meaning Rush Limbaugh. And I mean, I know who Rush Limbaugh is, and I said, Mike, I've never listened to Rush Limbaugh before in my life. Like, I just haven't. Um, and then he would just go on to talk about what Rush Limbaugh talked about. And uh, he's a super, super Republican. He's a super, super conservative. Um, he's white. He's 30 years older than me. On the surface, Mike and I have absolutely nothing in common. And then I'll meet up with him like three weeks later, and Mike will say, hey, Paul, did you hear what Rush had to say earlier today? And I always say, Mike, I've never listened to Rush before in my life. And at first, it seemed like Mike and I, like, I was just like, here's this dude. Like, I just painted a caricature of him. This guy and I have absolutely nothing in common. 
But as I began to have lunch with them again and again and again, I realized that Mike is not just a political caricature. He began telling me about his uh, kids. He began telling me about his divorce. He began telling me about trying to meet women online. <laughs> he began telling me about his dates. He began telling me about his interest in uh, fine spirits. He began telling me about his interest in cars. And as I got to know Mike over the course of a couple of years, he just became one of my best friends. And I realized that if I kept this one-dimensional caricature view of him, then I would have wanted nothing to do with him. But it wasn't because I'm so great and I'm such a great pastor and you know I embraced him. He actually kept reaching out to me. And and you know, I, rather than sort of shirking that invitation too, sometimes it's just being open to saying, "All right, let's learn more about each other. Let's find out how beautifully complex we are. Let's be in dynamic tension and relationships." I think being in that dynamic tension and relationship is far more beautiful and fulfilling than just curating uh, a group of people in our lives that always just agree with us. And so as we close today, uh, can we all close our eyes just for a moment? I want to end with a challenge. I want you to think about, picture, or just name one person in your life right now that you experience tension or conflict with. It could be your spouse, it could be your partner, it could be a coworker, it could be an estranged friend, it could be a family member. I just want you to think about one person. And unless they tug a, unless they like they're unless like unless you feel like um, some kind of like negative emotion immediately, then you're not thinking about the right person. Think about that person that just gets under your, gets on your nerves. And I want you to look beyond the reasons why you dislike or disagree with them. And I want you to think about them as a human being. Where are they from? What kind of family do they come from? What's their background? What are their experiences? What were their traumatic experiences? What were their formative experiences? What's their favorite food? What's their favorite color? How do they like to spend their free time? Just take about 30 seconds in and think about them one step deeper. I believe that God is calling you and I to live in that dynamic tension. And guess what? We can't do it by our own strength or our own will or our own positive intent because we by ourselves, 
We, we, the well runs dry. We run short. And so this morning, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be with us to empower us, to fill us, to say, God, I can't do it by myself. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. And I need your power so that I can live in this dynamic tension. Would you pray with me? God, help us to have new eyes so that we may not see the people in front of us one-dimensionally, that we might not see them um, just as issues, just as people that we have to deal with. Help us to see the complexity. Help us to see the beauty. Help us to see the tensions. Help us to see how we are all disconnected. Help us to live in that dynamic tension. Help us to differentiate between the issue and the human. We open ourselves this morning to the working of your Holy Spirit, which encourages us to pick up that phone, which encourages us to send out that invitation, which encourages us to accept that invitation. We're sensitive to the Holy Spirit prodding at our hearts, asking us to hold on just a little bit tighter, to build bridges where they're broken, and to give some slack when it's needed, and to give a tug when it's needed as well. Lord Jesus, we do this uh, because we want to be more like you. We do this because... um, because that is your way. But we can do this because of your grace and because of your love and your strength and power. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.